Children, you're dismissed. If you have your Bibles this morning, um, Steve's getting ready to start a new series, or he's talking about starting a new series called Here We Go Again. So if you're, I'm going to go ahead and get a, a jump on him. If you're looking at your Bibles, open it to Matthew chapter 6, because here we go again, all right? Some of y'all may not realize, I love the Sermon on the Mount. I'm crazy about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, it is one of the most powerful things I've ever read. It's one of the most powerful things that has transformed my heart and my life. Uh, I love the Sermon on the Mount, especially as we're starting a new year. Um, some of y'all may not know this, but I work in hospice. And as I work in hospice, I deal with people that are dying. Um, and as we approach a new year, uh, I, I'm, this is not about being morbid, okay? And I want you to understand something about hospice. People think, how can you do that job? That's got to be the worst job out there. Actually, it is one of the most amazing jobs I've ever had in my entire life. Because here's the thing. When people are on hospice, they tend to get very, very, very honest. Do you know that? When the doctor tells you, guess what? I can't do anything else for you. You've become very focused on what's important. It's not getting a new car. It's not getting a new truck. It's about what? Relationships. Yeah. Yeah, it's a relationship with God and relationship with others. Um, but as we go into Matthew chapter 6, I want to give you five things that I want you to look for in the verses that we're getting ready to read. Okay? And these things are things that we do in hospice, that we really encourage people to do in hospice, that are very, very, very powerful. I want you to think about who do you need to let them know you love? In other words, who do I need to tell as I live my life today? Who do I need to let them know I love them? Y'all can write that down, okay? Who do I need to tell? You got room for notes. These are five things that are going to make your life better. Y'all want five things that are going to make your life better? Don't wait until the doctor says, I can't do anything for you, okay? If you'll incorporate these five things into your life, it will make your life better. Who do I need to tell I love? I love you. I love you. Two, who do I need to say thank you to? Who do I need to say thank you to? And three, who do I need to ask forgiveness? Who do I need to ask for forgiveness? Four, who do I need to forgive? Who do I need to let them know? I forgive you. And number five, what do you need to forgive yourself for? Ooh, that's a hard one, isn't it? We're in Matthew chapter six, and what you're going to discover that these five elements are in the Lord's Prayer. As we go into a new year, anybody like do-overs? Does anybody like a do-over? You like a do. I'm glad that I'm not the only sinner in the room. I like do-overs. Do you remember when you were a kid playing hide-and-go-seek? Does anybody remember that? Playing hide-and-go-seek, and you had to count to 100. Boy, you can count to 100 really fast. Do you remember that? And you would get frustrated because you wanted to find the place to hide, and you hear them counting, and, and you can't figure out where you're going to go. And they turn around and you're standing right there in front of them. What do you scream? 
Do over! New Year. It's a do over, isn't it? It's a do over. As we go into a new year, do you want 2020 to be better than 2019? I hope so. Was 2019 challenging for anybody? Yes. Well, 2020 is going to be different. I can guarantee it. But I want to give you some tools as we go into the new year. As we look inside scripture, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus teaches on prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. I'm, I'm reading from the message. It doesn't matter what translation you're reading from. All of them are good, okay? Jesus says this, And when you come before God... Don't turn it into a theatrical production either. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. You think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice. Peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. If you have a, a place to highlight, that's what you want to highlight. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with. He knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. And everybody can join in on this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I'm not going to put it in my pocket. <clears throat> now, how many of you uh, watched football when Auburn was playing and Alabama were playing. How many of you jumped back and forth? Some of y'all jumped back and forth, okay. Now, how many of you started praying for your team? We know that Alabama fans did, at least in the first half. And we know that Auburn fans really did in the second half. Does anybody know how Tennessee did? Miracles never cease. Steve must have been playing really, really hard. You know, it's funny when it comes to prayer, we have a tendency to focus on prayer in order to get what we want, right? Uh, when we start to pray, we focus on what we want. I want, I want, I want, I want. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, he'll do it so he'll come back. And we can beat Auburn, right? Or, you know, we, we pray for what we want. And when we look at the Lord's Prayer, I want you to understand something. Now, can I tell you something? You, you might not like this. 
God is not an Alabama fan. God is not an Auburn fan. God is not even a Tennessee fan. I want you to understand something. We operate with a mentality that when we pray, we're trying to get God on our side. Have you noticed that? God, I want. I want. I want. That is not the purpose of prayer. In the King James Version, it says this, God already knows what you need before you ask. Now, did anybody, when they read that for the first time, said, why pray? I hate it when I'm the only sinner in church. I mean, if I'm not, I, why bother talking to him? He knows what I need. He's like my wife. She knows what I want before I even ask her. She knows what I want before I even know, know what I want, okay? That's what marriage is, right? Why? Why even communicate with God if he knows what I want, what I need before I ask? Why bother? Why? See, the purpose of prayer is not to get what you want from God. We've taught that a long time. And I am not saying don't pray. But here the purpose behind prayer is not to get God on your side. It's to move you from your selfishness into being on His side. It is a change in attitude. Imagine if we go to God and say, God, what do you want? In the Old Testament, you can read the story of, of Joshua, or of, of Caleb, of Gideon. And there are encounters with angels. And you know what? They say, are you on my side? Are you on the side of it? No, not even on the side of Israel. On the side of God. That's where an angel stands. Guess what? We're supposed to be lining up with what God wants. And we wonder why our prayers don't seem very effective. Because we spend our time asking for what we want, we want, we want, we want. And what Jesus is teaching us here is it's not about what you want. It's about you lining up with the will of God. We go through life thinking God's on our team. God's not on your team. You're supposed to be on His team. And imagine if we began to pray saying, God, I want your will. See, our problem is, is if we look in the as we look at the Lord's Prayer, it starts off, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We don't have a problem with recognizing God as being around us. We have a problem with recognizing that God is holy. Our problem is, is that we aren't holy come on let's be honest in and of yourself you're not holy you want me to give you some news anybody want some good news you know who's going to be in hell self-righteous people that's who's going to be in hell 
Hell will be filled with self-righteousness. Sounds like hell to me. We're not holy. And the problem is, is that we don't understand what holiness is. We want to think of holiness as good. And yes, God is good. He is good. Our problem is, is that we have a hard time recognizing good as human beings. We define good as how it benefits who? Ourselves. Yeah. So when we think about God as holy, we've got to understand that God is totally other. He's not like us. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad? He is holy. He is totally other. We, you've got your Bibles there with you. On the front, it says, Holy Bible, right? Well, mine says Apple. Well, actually, it has an Apple. But, but if you have a Bible, it's going to say Holy Bible. What does that mean? It means separate books. Bible meaning books. These books are totally different. They're authoritative. They are set aside. They're not like the others. Okay? They're different. So when we talk about God, God is different from us. God does not see the world the way we see it. We go through life thinking, oh, God's got to, God just do what us going through. He's do something. Can I tell you something? He knows what you're going through. He has not forgotten you. He has not forsaken you. He has not given up on you. He hasn't. But he sees a much bigger picture than we see. God is holy. And he sees so much better than we do. We go through life with a little bitty piece of the puzzle, don't we? we imagine you have a million piece puzzle. Okay? Anybody put together puzzles? Uh, some of you do, okay? I, I, I like puzzles that have like eight pieces. It's so much easier for me. But imagine you've got a million piece puzzle and all you've got is this little bitty piece. And you go, well, I can tell what then it's a picture of from this little bitty piece. Can you? No. But the reality is, is that we think we can tell God what to do. And that he's going to listen to us and do what we ask because he's on my team. No. We're to go to his team. C.S. Lewis says, I don't pray to change God. Prayer changes me. Yeah. And our problem is, is that we go through life thinking we're going to convince God to do what we want him to do. Can I tell you that what that is defined as? Witchcraft. People don't realize it. But witchcraft is about manipulating whatever gods there are in order to get them to do what you want them to do. And that's a problem because God condemns that. Jesus was focused on one thing. What was he focused on? His Father's will. He's in the garden. He's confronted with torture. 
death, rejection. And what does he say? Sick of daddy? No. What does he say? I don't want to go through this. But if it's your will, I'm going. That sums up the Christian experience. God is holy. And our goal is to line up with Him. And what does that look like? His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. You mean it's not about my kingdom? What happens when my kingdom clashes with your kingdom? War! Thank you! And it happens. I, I, anybody here married? Yeah! When my kingdom clashes with my wife's kingdom, what happens? Remember those five things that I told you? I love you. I'm sorry. And I need forgiveness. Thank you. No, see, the thing is, is that we go through life thinking it's about our kingdom. We want to make it about our kingdom. And let me tell you, it's a recipe for pain. It's a recipe for disaster. But I can trust my daddy. And I can trust his kingdom. And if I'm going to pray, if I'm going to spend time with my father, if I'm going to connect with him, my focus can't be, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. My focus has to be lining up with what does he want? What is he focused on? What is he trying to accomplish? Not only in me, but around me. How can I be his person in this place? Not about my will, but about my Father's will. Then, after that's when I prayed, I can say, okay, I trust you with what I need. I trust you with what I need. Give us this day. Today. Can I, can I give you, I'm going to give you a... a, a there's an old saying, <clears throat> I think it was a Chinese, might have been Confucius, that said this. If I'm constantly concerned about the past, if I am living in the past, I'm depressed. If I am living in the future, I'm anxious. But if I live in now, I'm where I need to be. So give us tomorrow's food? No, today. Let today be enough. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our, what? Forgiveness. Yes, we do have, we do have pack and pray as soon as we get through here. 
But forgiveness, is forgiveness important for anybody? Forgiveness is one of the most powerful things that you have in your life. If you want to look inside your toolbox and find that thing that's going to make life a whole lot better, forgiveness is that tool. Do you know that? Forgiveness. Forgiveness sets us free. Uh, now, people don't like to talk about forgiveness because forgiveness can be hard. Sometimes you've got to keep on forgiving. You, you discovered that? Again, I'm going to ask you, those of you that are married, you've got to keep forgiving, don't you? You've got to keep on forgiving. Forgiveness is a powerful, powerful, powerful tool. Forgiveness. Well, what is it? Is it forgetting? No. It's not forgetting. Can I tell you something? Uh, making you try to get you to forget what somebody's done to hurt you is impossible. It's like me telling you, don't think of green rabbits. What did everybody think of just then? Green rabbits. And you have people that walk around saying, I'm a forget and forgive Christian. It's not Christian, Christian. I'm a forget and forgive Christian. No, you're not. Don't lie. You're not. Because you don't forget. The difference between forgiveness and forgetting, forgiveness is letting go of the power of the past event to control your present. Does that make sense? In other words, something somebody did to you in the past no longer controls your present. In other words, when you look at that person, you don't go, I can't stand them. I hate them. I hate them. I hate them. You begin to see them for who they are. And you begin to discover that when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. What? They know not what they do. Can I tell you something? I don't think people really realize the pain they cause each other. I know in my relationship with my wife, I've done things that have devastated her heart. Can I be honest with you? I didn't set out to devastate her heart. That was not my goal. I did not realize the damage that it would cause. And we don't realize the damage that it causes. So forgiveness is an essential part of the relationship, not with just others, but with God and with ourselves. I've used this illustration before. The best way I know how to describe forgiveness. I was two years old. I grabbed Mama's hairpin. I walked over to a light socket, and I put that hairpin in the light socket. Guess what? It shocked me the first time I did it. It did. It shot me. I jumped back. But I was curious. My wife says it explains a lot. So I got it in. Good. It threw the breaker. Burned my hand. I'm in the, in the living room screaming. Mom and dad are wondering what happened. It's back in the early 60s or late 60s, you know, nuclear holocaust. We didn't know. Anyhow... They run in, and I have burned the stew out of my hand, and that hairpin is still in the light socket. Now, forgiveness, if I don't forgive electricity, what am I going to do? 
I'm gonna have a lot of cold showers. I'm gonna eat raw meat. I'm gonna have to walk wherever I go. If I don't forgive electricity, guess what? I'm gonna cut that thing. It shocked me. It caused damage to me. It hurt me. I ain't never using electricity again. And you know what? There are people that go through life in their relationships. Somebody hurts them. Well, I ain't going to touch No, I'm not going to talk to them no more. I'm going to cut them off. But I use electricity every day, all day long. I don't let the power of a past event control my present. I learn from it. I have never put another hairpin in a light socket. Forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. I want you to understand something, and this is something that I struggle to learn sometimes. If you're going through something again and again and again and again in your life, and you keep praying for God to take it away, can I tell you something? There may be something that God is trying to teach you in that moment. Does that make sense? God, I want you to take it away. I want you to take it away. I want you to take it away. And he doesn't. It may be God's trying to teach you grace like he did Paul. Remember, he had the thorn in the flesh. Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient aren't you glad but there can be things that are going in in our lives that God is trying to teach us that we are just stubborn and don't want to learn so don't count out the fact that if you keep going through something God might be trying to teach you something because here's the thing God is more concerned with making you into the image of his son, in other words, making you into the image he created you and longs for you to be than he is in giving you what you want. Does that make sense? We go through life wanting what we want, but the truth of the matter is, is God is more concerned with making you into the image of Jesus. And you know what? Sometimes that means going through tough, tough, tough experiences. Learning and growing. Not easy. But it's not bad. Because we know that all things work together for good for them that love God are called according to His purpose. Right? Everybody say, Amen. Amen. For whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know what that means? God is fashioning His image in you he's doing work in you so where you're lining up with his team his journey his kingdom because can i tell you something if you're trying to be king of your own kingdom you're gonna be frustrated you're gonna be miserable you're gonna be angry and you're gonna do things that you wouldn't normally do because you're more interested in being king and it's so frustrating when you're trying to be king it is because if you're king 
and you're running into everybody else's kingdom, you can be in constant conflict on the outside and on the inside. So we talked about those five things. Where do you see those five things in the, in the sermon on, on the Lord's Prayer? Who do we need to love? What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom is what? Love. Whoever loves is born of God and knoweth God, for God is what? So, as we go through our day, should people hear that we love them? Yeah. Especially our loved ones in our life. What about um, thank you? Gratitude. Where is that in, in, in what we're talking about? This is our daddy we're talking to. Has your daddy given you anything? Has your heavenly father given you anything? He gave you breath. If he gave you a person sitting next to you breathing, he gave you another one. If you get to take another breath, guess what? He gave it to you. So we can be thankful, and then we think about forgiveness. Forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. Let me ask you a question. If God forgave you the same way you forgive others, would you be in trouble? And something's got to change. Something's got to change. Maybe you need to ask people to forgive you. I know I do. But here's the thing. We do these things at the end of life. It shouldn't be at the end of life. It shouldn't be when the doctor said, you've only got six months left. It should be every day. And can I tell you something? I see people's lives change in those last six months by simply doing those five things. Letting their family know if they love them. Saying, I'm sorry for the things that I failed at. Forgive me. And telling their family, thank you for being my brother, my sister, my wife, my son, my daughter, my grandchild. Thank you. And letting those people in their lives that have hurt them know, I forgive you. Do you know how much that means? Do you know how much it means to sit there and say, I am sorry. Forgive me. That's powerful. And then for some, it's the real issue is forgiving themselves. Forgiving themselves. I'm just going to, I promise I'm going to finish up. I promise. Here's the thing. When you choose not to forgive yourself, you're putting yourself in the position of God. And that's sin. 
that sin. God forgives you. God forgives you. So as we go into the new year, let's make our, our prayer this morning before we go and pack and pray. I want everybody to stand and we're just going to say the Lord's Prayer. If you can, you can stand. If you can't stand, it's okay. You can't, you can't stand. But if you can, let's just say the Lord's Prayer and make this a part of our journey. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you this minute. Thanks for watching. We would love for you to connect with us online. On our website, you will find up-to-date information about everything happening around here. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and please download our free app on your smartphone or tablet. We are so glad you're here and we hope you enjoy your friendship experience.